Hey guys, Montel here, and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of Free Thinking with Montel. And I'm so excited to have an opportunity to talk to the guests that we have on today. According to the latest statistics available from the CDC, traumatic brain injury, also known as TBI, is a leading cause of death and disability in the United States. In 2014, an average of 155 people in the United States died each day from injuries that included TBI. And, and for those who suffer a TBI and survive, the effects can last from days to the rest of their lives. We most often associate TBI with our military veterans, but many others are afflicted with TBI due to sports and accidents. In 2014, falls accounted for almost half of all TBI-related emergency room visits in the United States. Here to talk to me today about TBI and how it impacts the lives of those who suffer from it and the alternative health therapies that are available to treat it are Dr. Mark Gordon and neuroendocrinologist specializing in TBI and Jerry Sher, the Emmy Award-winning filmmaker behind the documentary Quiet Explosions. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us today here on Free Thinking with Montel. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. Absolutely, absolutely. And Doc, maybe what you should do, or what you could do for us and, and for all of our, our listeners, is give us a, an overview of what TBI is and how it occurs. I mean, I think you know, a lot of people think that TBI has to be something that comes along with it, a huge explosion or a car accident, but, you know, as simple as whacking your head with your down under the sink cabinet, working on a pipe, and you whack your head hard enough to make you think you saw stars is a TBI. Yeah. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to share that misconception that we uh, deal with on a daily basis. You do not have to have loss of consciousness from a hit on the head or from a fall. Uh, the analogy I use in the practice, you can either have 10 dimes or a dollar. So you can have a lot of small insults throughout your life, which a majority of us have had, or else have one major one. Now, I deal specifically with the military, so blasts and so forth are very common, but prior to that, dealing with the NFL and with uh, just civilians. A traumatic brain injury can be either something that is physical or non-physical, where you hit your head, as Montel said, you know, you're working underneath the sink and you lift up and you hit your head, or else someone who uh, slips and falls, or a car accident where you're rear-ended at 10 to 15 miles an hour that jolt or that Im impact can cause you to have trauma to the frontal aspect of the brain and to the posterior. In uh, the military, we think of uh, IEDs or uh, using rockets, Carl Gustav, or repetitive gunfire as being significant enough to create a traumatic brain injury without loss of consciousness. In the civilian population, you can have a head trauma precipitated by using things like pneumatic drills or skiing or water skiing from that uh, hitting the uh, the waves. It's a, a form of pounding that can cause this jarring of the brain. So there are a multitude of uh, conditions that can lead to a traumatic brain injury. Medication can cause it. Repetitive surgery can cause it. Uh, exposure to x-rays can cause it. So there's a, quite a diverse form of uh, causation. But the bottom line, regardless, is the same inflammation, neuroinflammation. And I think, you know, again, when you say the causations are different and, and are just as broad as they can be, I mean, I think a lot of the uh, vets who, you know, I've worked with and talked to over the course of the last 12 years, and I did 22 years of service myself, 
Um, don't think that, you know, boot camp um, could cause a TBI because they didn't actually get hit with an IED. But, you know, um, you know, we have several exercises at, at boot camp where you spend lots of time on the range and lots of time spent on the range. Those repetitive concussive blasts from the weapon next to you, not just your own weapon, can literally send reverberating impacts through your brain, correct? Absolutely. Um, we, in fact, have a coding that we've developed for uh, combat training syndrome, where, just as you said, people that have never been deployed, never out in the field of battle, but have sustained the exact symptomatology that's associated with someone who was exposed to blast wave or repetitive gunfire out in the field of battle. So, yes, uh, basic training, very important and frequently over, uh, overlooked. And also, you know, I, I did watch your documentary and I thought it was extremely good. Uh, but, you know, I think one area when I first started looking and digging in deep into TBI myself about, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, um, I got some information from um, a doctor at the University of Pittsburgh who was saying that, you know, just a reminder to like a, a lot of women don't understand um, by the time they're in their mid 30s, um, they start to suffer some from some very odd you know, symptoms that are neurological symptoms. And then when you look back in their past and recognize that they were, you know, big soccer players when they were young, in their teenage years, young girls don't understand that that exercise and drill that their coaches were putting them through at age 13 and 14 and 12, 13 and 14, where they had to run, you know, and have somebody throw a ball against their head, you know, over and over and over again. That's a jar to the brain itself that may not manifest in symptoms for 10 to 15 to 20 years correct. or it can manifest immediately, correct? Correct. In the literature that's coming out, they actually say that 17 years after the initial insult, you can start seeing symptomatology because you're picking up markers in the brain of inflammation that can justify, you know, the duration of time that it can last. So you can have head trauma from, in England, they've stopped headbutting in less than 18 years of age. Now they're talking about it in, in professional uh, uh, soccer to diminish the headbutting because, as you said, the repetitive minor injuries all add up to create a major injury. And especially, I mean, I, 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 don't, I do not I say this in any way, shape, or form as disparaging, you know, one sex over another. But, you know, most young girls who go into soccer do not go initially into soccer having already trained their neck muscles enough mm. in any way, shape or form to sustain that kind of blow. Um, though, you know, a, a little boys do, you know, play a lot rolling around on their head and doing things that do help strengthen their necks. And but that still doesn't mitigate, you know, the effect of that constant blow of that ball against the front of the head. And then, you know, I know we've gone through argument after argument after argument here in the United States about, you know, uh, Pop Warner football and those kinds of things. And it's glad to see that some of those leagues have started to close. However, just like, you know, today's argument over, you know, which is no longer necessary, wearing masks, I mean, you know, you have parents who literally were so vehemently angry over the fact that their young child wasn't able to play a sport that was going to cause them lifelong brain damage. Yeah. And things that we've forgotten also is when we start walking, when we mm -hmm. start skateboarding, 
learning how to ride a bicycle. These are all potential uh, focuses of uh, trauma where you can have, you know, falling off a bicycle. So you can have, uh, without any sport or any subsequent sport, have the progression of traumatic brain injury from just learning how to walk. Uh, traumatic yeah. delivery. I, 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 you know, feel extremely blessed personally because I was a, you know, a martial artist when I was a child. And I also learned how to box very early on in my life. Mm -hmm. And I look back at, you know, I, I'm shocked that, well, first off, fortunately, and I really say that, fortunately, um, when I was younger and was a boxer, um, I was very fortunate that, you know, from like age 11 on, I grew to almost six foot tall by 12. And though I was rather skinny, you know, my weight allowed me to fight at a weight class. It was called welterweight mm -hmm. or, you know, junior welterweight. So I'm a six foot tall kid fighting kids who were five foot one and two who weighed 141 pounds. And fortunately, you know, my reach kept them away from smacking me upside the head. So I didn't take as many blows as I gave out. Right. However, you know, along the way, I can remember being rung multiple times um, right. and, you know, in both, you know, boxing and in mixed martial arts and being rung, you know, trying to skateboard. Um, and I'm blessed that, you know, that damage didn't continue to manifest itself into what is currently would be, you know, TBI now later in life. However, you know, I have been, you know, a person who has um, uh, thrived with MS, but have scarring in my brain associated with MS. And I don't know whether or not those two could have been intermingled or misdiagnosed along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm doing well now, but I think I'm very blessed. How per pervasive is this when we talk about, you know, 2014, and I thought stats about how, you know, this was one of the most significant uh, um, causes of death uh, uh, in 2014. How pervasive is it now in the United States? It still is. There's, you know, 2.1 million people a year who sustain a traumatic brain injury, about, what, 156,000 um, deaths. I mean, the, the the deaths are quite high. And, you know, how I got into this was uh, I wasn't as lucky as you. You know, I had six head traumas, no loss of consciousness. And in my 40s, I developed depression, mood changes. And when I went to have my hormones checked, I was three deficients, growth hormone, thyroid, and testosterone. And within 90 days of getting it replenished, felt much better. You know, and talking about, you know, some of the stats, uh, the NFL did a, an incredible study where they found that if you were on the field and had one concussion, on the field concussion, you were 19 times more likely to develop Alzheimer's disease between 30 and 49 years of age. And then the literature talking about multiple sclerosis, an inflammatory process. You might be representative of someone who had uh, the inflammatory pattern to create what appears to be multiple sclerosis. Not that it was misdiagnosed, the fact that it appeared to be what it is, you know, in the lesions in time and space with the scarring occurring. And it might be from trauma. I have uh, a Navy SEAL right now. Well, no longer Navy SEAL, he was medically discharged because he developed multiple sclerosis. And in uh, 60 days, he reversed by 50%, uh, 30 days, 40% improvement. And it was by addressing the inflammation that happens in the brain. We have Parkinson cases that have reversed and Alzheimer's patients that have reversed just by giving them 
unique uh, nutraceuticals that address inflammation. Here, Jerry, I want to bring you in also here. Just one more second. We have one more question for the doctor. So, doctor, now how hard is TBI to diagnose and to treat? Uh, great question. Depends on whose definition you're using. So the issue is how we define it is by a panel, a biomarker panel with 28 markers on it. And based on the pattern that's, uh, that is uh, seen and it's interpreted, interpreted by a computer program and um, based on the results is how we approach the treatment. And what we do rely heavily on in nutraceuticals to address the inflammation. So we keep stats for, you know, I've been doing this for since 2004. We've been keeping stats for about eight, nine years now with 85% uh, of our military getting better in a year. The civilians don't do as well. I think it's the mindset to some degree, 78% of our uh, civilian population are better in um, a year, in 12 months time. And, uh, you know, again, one more thing, just, just uh, when we look at demographics, um, we know that clearly what almost 40% of all TBIs happen to children under the age of four. Is that right? Um, I don't take care of pediatric traumatic brain injury, but it is one of the highest because of their uh, lack of biological resiliency. So when they have an insult, whether or not they're paying, playing pop water, peewee or uh, soccer, rugby or whatever the sport they're playing or car accidents in certain countries, you know, auto accidents are play a primary uh, causation. In the United States, elderly with m multiple medication plays a high percentage here. But yes, uh, less than 15, because I don't take less than uh, 18. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and so, but, but we do see the incidence of very, very high in people over the age of 65 and people yes. under the age of, let's, okay. Yeah. Uh, Two extremes. Two extremes. Yeah. Gotcha. So Jerry, now how did you become interested in this topic as a filmmaker? Well, thank you, um, Montel. I actually was approached by a woman who was editing Andrew Marr, our former Green Berets book, Tales from the Blast Factory. She uh, was in the galley stage. It was just about finished. And she, she grew up with me in Fall River, Massachusetts. Uh, we knew each other when we were very young. And she had followed my whole career and knew that I made documentaries that make an impact on society and that I had Emmys. And she approached me and said, you're the person you need to make the movie of this book because it's really amazing. So I said to her, you know, everybody tells me they have the best book. <laughs> Send me the galleys. I'll read it because most times it's not the case. But when I read the galleys, I was very taken with Andrew Marr. But I was even more taken with this doctor that was referred to, which was Dr. Mark Gordon, because I was thinking he's like in my backyard in Encino. I live in L.A. And I'm like, how could it be that no one knows about this? Like th this, this is not known by most people. And my mission is to always, you know, educate the world in important subjects, but through the medium of film, because then they can sort of be entertained and it's easier for them to watch a movie than maybe read a book or read a pamphlet. So I said to the woman, you can you can tell the Green Beret to contact me. And he did. He came out here from Texas to meet me, saw some of my work. And he said um, he saw the work and he, he stood up and he's this big, big guy, you know, tattoos everywhere. And he was hugging me and crying and clapping. And he said, you have the rights to the book. And I said, that's great, Andrew, but I'll only do this movie under one condition. It has to be a third military, a third athletes, and a third civilians, because I know that traumatic brain injury and PTSD really affects the whole population. 
and that's when our journey began. Excellent. Excellent. Tell me a little bit more about some of the other people that you included in in the documentary. I mean, I got a chance to watch it, and I was impressed by the fact that you had such a broad spectrum of participants. Everybody from like Anthony Davis, who was running back in the NFL for Miami Dolphins, Mark Rippin, who was a Super Bowl um, um, what, 15 or 16 MVP, Washington Redskins quarterback, um, Ben Drybergen, who was an ex-Marine winner of uh, CBS's Survivor, and also Sean Dollar, who was a Guinness Book of World Record holder for surfing. You had so many different people represented. Tell me a little bit about some of them. You know, I felt like it was important to have people from different demographics, different economic situations, different ages, different ethnicities, because I wanted to have a sampling of the whole population. And not everyone is a Super Bowl MVP. So that's why we have regular people in the movie, like the man who was in surgery too long and lost his short-term memory uh, from open heart surgery. And our gymnast uh, from Nashville, Juliana. Now it's interesting, Annie, our Navy gal, she was a soccer player as a youngster for her whole life. In fact, she was recruited and she got into every school, Harvard and, and a couple others, and the Navy. She graduated from my, my alma mater, Naval Academy, yes. Yeah, mm. except she didn't really graduate because they kicked her out because, um, unfortunately, there was a whole to-do when she was raped twice, and then she got very, very ill, and they put her in a psych ward. And But she's fine now. She went to see Dr. Gordon. She, you know, she heard about Andrew on the news, on Fox News, Andrew Marr, and she had him come to her house and he told her about Dr. Gordon and she went out to Dr. Gordon and then she got her master's degree in, in um, from yeah. Texas and Arlington. We actually went and filmed her graduating with her MBA and now she has a little baby. She's married. So she is fine and she's doing great. Thanks to Dr. Gordon. And, and she sees some of our, the other doctors in the movie as well. But I also love having Sebastian in the movie because he was our 9-11 firefighter who had severe problems after pulling out all of his his fellow firefighters, you know, during 9-11. I mean, he just basically couldn't even speak or say a full sentence from the trauma that he experienced. And he healed through hyperbaric oxygen therapy for months, like two times a day in New York, and he's doing really well. So we tried to show different people, but also different methods of healing. Like Mark Rippin did TMS, which is traumatic magnetic stimulation with Dr. Sammons, and that really helped him. But he, he sees all the doctors as well. So I felt like the world has everyone in it. We have to show everyone. Yeah, well, Dr. Gordon, don't you think, I mean, one of the things that, that just it, I, I've been really, you know, taken aback from in the last 10 years of researching not only TBI, but PTSD, is that, you know, unfortunately, and I say it this way, unfortunately, in our society, this has become almost a cottage industry for some. And, you know, there are protocols that, you know, get huge amounts of funding from the federal government that are no greater than 30 to 35% efficacious. Yeah. Yet they are the ones who put up the most vehement and adamant. You know, I, I remember when I first started working in this space, I had one of the top neurosurgeons in this country look me in the face and said, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, any 
intervention that you come up with, if it's transformative, will be met in this community by the most vehement and adamant resistance because you are going to be taking away funding from another outlet. And that just really ticked me off. But then I started realizing that it's so true. I mean, there are more people worried about making sure that their line of funding stays in place, whether they are doing a good job or not, and basically making as much money as they can off the suffering of others. So, I mean, you have a protocol that is, is definitively proven so far to work. Why is it so hard to get this protocol at least I don't care whether or not it's it's substantiated by whoever, you know, the organization is, but how about just disseminate it so people know that there's hope? Yeah, uh, great point. And it's not a matter of this millennia. It's ever since the beginning of medicine. If you have one person come in with some brave new idea, everybody who is old school is going to try and stop it from making headway because they're protecting their turf, as you said, financially or egocentrically or what have you. Yeah, so, you, can go, you can go back, what, 25 years ago, or thirty, almost 30 years ago, uh, when the MRI was introduced and yeah. read some of the paperwork that doctors had the nerve to write back then about how the fact that the MRI was a scam. And I, I was like, what? Right. You know, right. Go ahead. I mean, incredible. But this is how it is. It's they were protecting their old uh, plain radiographic technology so that you don't have the CT taken over by MRI. What I'm doing is I'm self-funded. I, you know, develop products to generate funds. So it goes into our veteran fund. That's how we're able to see 430 people and pay for their treatment, pay for their assessment or subsidize them. Because uh, we have people in in the um, Pentagon, we have rear admirals in the Pentagon who are on our program who attribute their ability to ascend to where they are based on this. Written a paper for the White House in 2018, but it goes nowhere because it's going. It's an uphill battle for what we're doing. There are too many in, impediments and too many barriers to it, and it's all too many gatekeepers. Too many gatekeepers yeah, who gatekeepers. have personal interests. Yeah, but recently we had Marsac uh, come to my last uh, set of lectures in Miami, which was impressive for me. I didn't know what the letters, I'm a civilian. I didn't know what the letters meant until they explained it to me. But there are people looking at what we're doing because our rate of success is consistent. Our outcomes are consistent. A lot of our people, like in the movie, you saw Kevin Flyke, who got a dual master's, one from Harvard and the other from, uh, from MIT, who was totally incapacitated before he was on protocol. And so the uphill battle is because we're outside the community of research. We're doing our own studies. I do translational medicine, which means that I spend an inordinate amount of time reviewing literature that's already been done, research that's already been done, and I call out of it the key issues. And then I put them into a clinical application. That's how I develop a line of nutraceuticals that are at the core of helping us, helping the patients get better, helping me to get better. Because as I said, I had six head traumas, first one at four years of age. So it's um, it's a groundswell. And that's why, you know, we're with uh, four congressmen that are on board. We've got someone in uh, Washington who is a policy writer for VA, VA policies. 
trying to get uh, improvement in their quality of health and protection. I'm sure that you've you've hit nothing but brick walls with the VA. I mean, yeah. I, but, I, I, there are there are individuals at the VA who literally are gatekeepers yes. to ensure that they get their 250 million dollars worth of funding every couple of years right. through different organizations from the VA and other yeah. other. Yeah, I, I I can understand. You know, I'm I'm participating next month in uh, the World Brain Mapping Institute's gala in LA. Do you know about that? No, I, I mean, there was something that came across. You know, I, I've put myself into a little niche where I'm very focused on the neuroendocrinology. Yes, I do when time permits to go and look at what other people are doing, but I'm not seeing, and it's not about patting myself on the back, I'm not seeing the movement forward. A lot of money is being spent. A lot of effort is being spent on trying to diagnosing whether or not a person had a TBI or not. Very little is truly being done for treatment. And my focus right now is we've got the diagnoses down, how to diagnose with our biomarker panel. Now it's about application of the results into a treatment protocol. That's our focus right now, treatment. Well, talk a little bit about that treatment protocol. Tell me a little okay. bit about it. Well, because of uh, trauma, again, regardless of it being either a traumatic or non-traumatic uh, precipitator, inflammation occurs. And that inflammation disrupts the chemistry of the brain. And some of the basic things that it does, it just stops chemistry from being produced. Like in our brain, we have a very unique group of about 35 hormones, also neurotransmitters, also signaling systems to tell you, don't be depressed, be happy, be smart, be Einstein. And if you lose that chemistry, what happens is you don't get that level of functionality. So what we do is two-pronged. We drop the inflammation and we supplement with these neurosteroids or these hormones that are produced in the brain. A lot of them are natural sources like DHEA, pregnenolone, allopregnenolone, uh, vitamin D growth hormone, stimulating growth hormone production in the brain through natural means. So a lot of what we do is to get your own body to start producing more of its own hormonal chemistry. And part of how we do that is to stop the inflammation. Inflammation works like a barrier. So you can't get the chemistry going if there's a barrier and that inflammation is a barrier. So what do we use? We use things that the uh, National Institute of Health and um, Bethesda, Maryland have already found, N-acetylcysteine, gamma-tocopherol, vitamin E, gamma-vitamin E, glutathione, zinc. There's a whole bunch of products. We have 18 products, uh, 18 components in three products. And those three products are what the patients take in core. And what I'm doing right now uh, started in Pendleton, you know, Camp Pendleton in California. Uh, last year did a project. I was invited to lecture to the CO and surgeon and 18 officers. And they subsequently sent me a group of guys that we put on to this nutraceutical protocol for uh, 90 days. They were 61% better. No labs done, no hormones, no chemistry whatsoever. And now I expanded that to a group of nearly 50 uh, Marines throughout the United States, not just with um, Pendleton. And we just started getting, we're now 60 days into the program, 70% better. And it's about anti-inflammation. Are you, are you noticing that there's a prophylactic component to this also? Yes. Oh, there is? Yes. And again, I was talking about um, biological resiliency. Just like you have on your jacket, you have 
Kevlar, that plates that you can put in to protect your body. Well, you can generate for your body protective plates. How do you do that? Nutrition, exercise, no alcohol, good hydration. These are things and you know about the uh, anti-inflammatory diet or ketogenic diet or modified. I don't like the ketogenic, modified ketogenic. So these are ways that you can actually bolster your system so it's more protective. So when you go in and have a trauma, you rebound a lot better. We have a subpopulation of patients who have been with us for two, three years who had major traumas and they get better. They're 100% better. And then they get in a subsequent motor vehicle accident, whether or not a motorcycle or car accident, and they call up freaking out because, sorry, they uh, concerned because they uh, have gone backwards. And I said, just double up on one of the products and continue on your regimen. And two to four weeks later, they're back normal because they had built up their biological resiliency. So they get the spike in inflammation and then the spike reduces. What happens in a lot of people, myself, I was included, was that you generated inflammation and the body normally goes up in inflammation and then takes it back down. Some of us, it doesn't happen. Chronic repetitive injuries like CTE or from you know any sport with repetitive or shooting a 50 caliber or throwing a hand grenade or you know shooting a AR-15 or whatever the issue is, or LAPD with their um, Hogan's Run and shooting their shotguns, 12 shots or whatever, that jolt can be enough to create the spillover into traumatic brain because of the inflammation. That is produced. Gotcha. Now, Jerry, what are you hoping that you accomplish with your film? The most important thing about this film is to create awareness in the population and also to get the VA to institute Dr. Gordon's protocols throughout the whole VA process. I mean, that would be those are my two main goals. I, I would like people to realize there are there are cures, there are help, there are ways to get better, to improve your life. And I saw it, but with my own eyes, I saw it happen. I saw, you know, when all of my 10 characters were suicidal, every one of them was ready to take their own life. And we are making an impact. I mean, the movie's out everywhere in the world now on every platform. And I got, you know, emails and texts and messages from people in Australia, in Taiwan saying, I, Jerry, I saw your movie and I was ready to kill myself. And now I'm not going to take my own life after I saw that movie. So we are making a difference and we're making an impact. And the, and the main thing is for this to go up the chain all the way, millions of people to see it. And then the VA then institutes these protocols so that these guys in, in the military who are in now, which this weekend is Armed Forces Day for all those wonderful guys and gals and all the veterans. And if you really compile everyone, there's about 34 million fam veteran families out there and we want them all to benefit as well as just the civilians. Well, you just said that the movie's out there and it's everywhere, but you know, I mean, I, I don't see it being promoted that much. Where, where, if somebody wants to download it and look at it, where do they go? Amazon, YouTube, YouTube uh, iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo. I mean, every platform now has. Quiet Explosions. Quiet Explosions is the name. Is it under quietexplosions.com? What's it under? Yeah. QuietExplosions.com is the website, but the real title is Quiet Explosions Healing the Brain. But it is on QuietExplosions.com, and every one of the, of the links are there for Amazon or Vimeo. You know, you can go to any one of them. 
iTunes has it in about 50 to 60 countries, including like Zimbabwe and so on. So we just hope that more people tell more people and tell more people. Our distributor Cinema Libre studio is not, you know, they're not Fox. They're not some, you know, big giant. They're not putting up billboards. We're doing this grassroots, actually. And it was also a miracle that we opened during COVID. We just won the best documentary feature at the North Hollywood Film Festival, and we had just won in Spokane, the highest award. And a week after Spokane Film Festival, COVID happened last a year ago, March. We were supposed to be in April at the American Legion Theater with 500 veterans that we were showing this movie to for free. And of course, everything stopped and we were we couldn't have that screening nor any screenings. And when the movie came out, it was just, of course, digitally because because of COVID. But now we're also offering virtual uh, screenings with Q&As with me and Mark Gordon and Andrew Marr and whoever they want on the panel. So we've done many of those for universities and for corporations and for groups, for fundraisers. So it's all on the website and any group can have it, whether it's 20 people or 7,000 people. Excellent. Well, doctor, what happens if a person try, uh, understands that they have had a TBI and they have some odd symptoms, but they just, you know, are reluctant or reticent to be treated. I mean, what happens if it goes untreated? Uh, it just progresses. Um, if they've had a trauma and they're starting to see symptoms, they're only going to get worse because it's a catch-22 process where the inflammation begets more inflammation, which creates more disruption of chemical pathways in the brain. And as you start to uh, decay of processes, you'll have cognitive impairment, you'll have greater psychiatric, psychological issues like um, depression, anxiety, bipolar, obsessive, compulsive, schizophrenia. These are all associated with inflammatory processes. So the real issue and what I spend a lot of my time doing is training uh, other doctors. And in the past year since Jerry's movie came out, I've been having a lot more doctors contacting us to get trained in the science. So I just came back from giving an eight-hour program in uh, Miami uh, with an organization that uh, supports us, uh, Age Management uh, Medical Group, uh, supports us uh, in two places in the United States, once in Miami, and this year, November, we'll be in Dallas. So we have groupings of uh, three, 400 doctors who come to these meetings, and then they come to the class uh, specifically get trained. And a lot of them are looking to uh, establish partnership, uh, not partnership, a loose partnership with us. Um, I hand out the information, uh, like what I'm trying to do with the VA, just give them the information and help their doctors to get on board. Um, we need more facilities uh, throughout the United States. We have about 53 right now. And we have in England, uh, in six countries, um, that are starting to get it. In England, I uh, was invited by the Ministry of Defense uh, in January 2020 to explain to the military surgeon general uh, why their top SAS uh, majors were flying in to get assessed and treated. My simple answer was maybe they want to get better. But when I was there, we gave, uh, Andrew Marr was also with me, we gave a presentation and we ended up getting uh, awarded uh, a program that unfortunately was met a month later by COVID and everything's been in the back burners. So uh, I'm still in communication with the uh, House of Commons and with the uh, military uh, surgeon general there. 
they're still interested. I still get Imperial College asking questions about how they can move forward. There's an interest because they're starting to see the suicide rate uh, start to climb proportionately to what we have here in the United States. Well, you know, now, I mean, what is the the connection between TBI and, let's say, PTSD? And, you know, we recognize now, you know, I've been talking about this for over a year yeah. uh, on my podcast about the fact that, you know, America is literally sitting back waiting for the next pandemic. And the next pandemic is going to be a pandemic of mental health issues Correct. that we're going to be faced with for the next five to 10 years, especially when it comes to those who have survived COVID, yeah. uh, who have been in hospitals, not just the first responders, but those who individuals who were in the hospital for COVID, we're starting to see that 30 to 50% of them literally have reoccurring PTS from their time in the hospital being treated for COVID. Correct. You know, along with the doctors, the first responders and others who had to face that trauma head on. And though that's not necessarily a TBI, it still is PTS. Can your protocol help that the same way as it helped TBI? Great, great question. Um, COVID is a form of non-traumatic brain injury. It develops the same inflammatory cytokines. They're now calling it COVID long haul. In May of last year, I wrote a paper that was circulated around the United States. It's on my website. And it talks about the anticipated neurological conditions from having had either COVID hospital or COVID as non-hospitalized individual. And we're seeing it. And we're able to treat it in the same manner in which we treat people with traumatic brain injury. Your issue about PTS or PTSD, PTS, PTSD is the continuum of a head trauma. If you treat the head trauma early enough, you don't develop the PTSD. PTSD, for my purview, is missed TBI. And that chemical change in the brain precipitated by COVID, COVID storm, COVID, I mean, uh, cytokine storm, which is the inflammatory chemistry, cytokine storm, cytokine dumping, long COVID, or long haul COVID. It's all the same thing. CTEs, they're just labels. I try to stay out of the labeling game and do the the science to find the underlying hormonal imbalance, chemical imbalance, and then fix it. It seems to me that you, know, you hear it from time to time. I've heard it over and over again during you know various doctors' assessments on cable news outlets where they talk about the cytokine storm and those things. But I just don't see it. it. Just it just seems crazy to me that those who would talk about that would not talk about the fact that there isn't a pre an existing protocol that could help with that. I just, it drives me nuts. It's, you know, you it, it's not theirs. The problem is it's not theirs. Yeah. Everybody's it's trying not to their protocol. It's not his protocol or hers protocol. It's someone else's protocol, right. which I want to have, you know, give it away. This is not about me aggrandizing myself. It's about number one in the military. The reason why I came on board with us, stopping the suicides in the, with our veterans to provide for them a higher level of medical intervention and care, looking beyond the uh, you know, conventional approaches. This is outside the box. And this administration, how have they responded to this? Uh, they haven't. I mean, I send, to, I send a copy of my book uh, to a multitude of uh, congressmen and um, on both sides of the aisle. Uh, no one's responded. I've got a few that have, three that have responded, but the number of books that I sent out 
uh, with a cover letter explaining very simply what we have to offer, what we've been able to succeed, to show and repetitively show. You know, they're looking for a marker. They're spending $10 million a year with one facility to find a unique marker that says you had TBI. That $10 million is enough money to treat, you know, 2,000 people with TBI. Right. But Jerry, during the making this film, you realize your husband could be helped by Dr. Gordon. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Well, actually, Montel, it was pretty amazing. Dr. Gordon invited me to go to a seminar with him for a few days down in San Diego. And, you know, we were working all day. And then at night, you know, we were sitting around a, like a fireplace and just getting to know each other. And no one really knew anything about my personal life at all. I keep everything very, very professional when I'm working and when I'm shooting and, and doing the work. So it came up that my husband had been uh, quite ill when he was 50, which was 24 years ago. He um, had a severe heart attack. We were in Boston and I had two kids in college. One actually was out at USC here. And they said, send for your children because he won't make it. So I, I, I thought they were all crazy because I was like in my 40s, like, oh, no, he'll be fine. Well, it got really bad. So I had to send for the kids and um, they really didn't expect him to live. But he was in surgery about 10 hours. They did a quadruple bypass. He was at the Mass General Hospital, a very good place. And it took him weeks and months to to get better. But we noticed that right after he, he got out of surgery, he did not know our children's names. And this made him completely frantic because he realized that something had happened to his brain. And the doctors kept saying, oh, it's the anesthesia. You know, it'll take a month or two or three. And then when 10 months went by, they said, oh, it'll be better in two more months. So we knew that wasn't true. We could see that Alan's brain was completely affected. He actually had no short-term memory whatsoever and lost so much of his acumen. I mean, he was a tax accountant, very brilliant guy. So it's been really hard. And I was telling Mark all about this. And Mark said, um, Dr. Gordon said, I think I could help him. And I said, oh, that's impossible. It's been more than two decades. He said, no, I really think I could help him. So we're halfway through the movie. So uh, he said, bring him in. So we went in. He did the blood work. And I said to my cinematographer, let's follow this story. We have no idea what's going to happen. Probably nothing. But And I had no faith because I thought, 24 years, come on. But we followed it. And Alan got better and better and better. And it was truly remarkable. And so I said to my editor at the end when we had these characters, if you need to get rid of somebody in the edit room, get rid of my husband. And she said, she looked at the footage and said, we would never get rid of Alan because he's the guy next door. He's the regular guy, you know, from Minnesota or Kalamazoo. And I had benefited, my family had benefited, my children, my grandchildren, they saw Alan in a new way. So um, I guess God wanted me to make this movie for more than the reason of helping others, but helping our family as well. And, I, and we're very grateful to Dr. Gordon because he showed us a side of this that no one really realizes about this being in surgery and not enough blood getting to your head and oxygen and so on in, in your brain. And um, everyone who sees the movie just comments about Alan cuddling those babies at the end. And they say they all cry because they saw that Alan wanted to give something back to society and help others. And that's what helped him heal as well. Wow. Unbelievable. Now, you know, Dr. Gordon, I mean, again, how is conventional medicine in that community, you know, uh, receiving your TBI treatment? It, with with all the anecdotal information that you have, 
Right. I guess that's what they consider it as anecdotal. Oh, yeah. They, but, they, they consider it anecdotal. I agree with you. Um, but what's happening is one by one, they're coming to my front door. Doctors who were ridiculing me are now coming in as patients. So I'm getting a larger amount of physicians as patients. Uh, more physicians coming to our class who are, you know, want to learn or buying the book, uh, our TBI book. And, you know, I'm not doing an explosive kind of being out there in your face. I'm doing it as a grassroots, as uh, Jerry said, grassroots, because I don't really have time to go and promote because I am extremely busy with taking care of our military. Uh, I have three daughters, two are docs. One works with me, take, has taken over two years ago, all our civilians. I help to support her and her population of uh, patients. So, you know, I'm not doing anything um, special to try and recruit doctors, but they're starting to see it. And they're starting to see the fact that traditional conventional um, philosophy is not working. So they're looking for secondary. and. I'm secondary. It's like many times I had um, some military call and say the wife call of a uh, uh, sergeant major and said, uh, you're our last hope. I said, you know, that saddens me that I'm the last hope. I should be second, third or fourth, but not the last. You know, they've already been through the ringer. And then for a time there, when I started working with Andrew, there was fearfulness in a lot of the veterans because they had been through the VA system, and they were distrusting of physicians. So it took them a while to warm up. But when they saw within 30, 60 days, they were feeling better, doing more, you know, sleeping, waking up with energy. You know, they started to um, approve of what was going on. But, you know, it's the medical community is tough group. They're a tough group. And I'm not going after them. If they come to my front door, fine. I'm not trying to push anything. I'm doing what I can do every single day for someone who needs what we have, realize they need something and are willing to take a chance with me. They have hope. They see the movie that uh, Jerry has made, Quiet Explosions, and that opens their eyes. How often does either Andrew or myself get a phone call and they're saying, we saw the movie, we were crying, you said everything that was, uh, you know, that we were experiencing we want an opportunity to see if this will help for us. This will help us. Well, Quiet Explosions is the name of the movie, and I'm going to suggest to all of our viewers, make sure that you reach out and see if you can download it. It's available on all the streaming services, so you should be able to get a copy of it or be able to look at it. Um, Doc, if people want to reach out to you, where do they go? Uh, the best place is the educational site, which is tbihelpnow.org. tbihelpnow.org. Okay. And um, they will they be able to reach, know how to reach out and get a hold of you? Correct. It's there on the site. But I'm an educator. I'm a researcher and an educator. So it's important that I don't try to sell anybody on anything. They have the information they can read and make a decision, educated decision on their own, whether or not this is something they want to um, to try. Gotcha. Jerry, anything else you want to add? Well, Montel, you know, you are a fixture and I'm just so happy, a legend to me. And I, I'm thrilled that we're here with you today because this is the kind of reason and way that people are going to hear about the film, see the film, buy the DVD, 
There's plenty of extras on the DVD with Dr. Gordon and Andrew and myself and so on. And we just want everybody to get better, have a better life. This is about hope. Improve your life. Don't take your life. Help the suicide rate and help everybody to find a cure and a way to improve so that they can give more back to society. And that's what I'm all about, just making movies that will help everyone. So go to quietexplosions.com and you'll see where you can see the film. Well, I'm so psyched that, you know, people need to have, you're absolutely right. This is really a discussion about hope. You know, when we live in a time when, you know, they go see doctors and chase, you know, just uh, the, the slightest answer that they can chase and they don't get any results. When we know that there are protocols that are out there, out here where results are there. I mean, the truth is in, you know, uh, we, 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 for some reason, I don't know why the medical community looks at, at anecdotal stories as if they are, you know, ends of one. You are no longer an end of one. You are ends of hundreds, I guess, of people who have already been through this protocol that's proving that there's something here. And, you know, I, I thank the two of you for participating here on Free Thinking to let our, our viewers know that there are some solutions if they just reach out. Again, one more time, doctor, why don't you give them that website again? It's tbihelpnow.org. tbihelpnow.org. Well, I'm going to thank the two of you for being here. And, you know, I did watch the movie. I think it's uh, really well done. And we'll answer some questions for a lot of those out there who are looking for hope. And so I want to thank all of you and thank the two of you for being a part of Free Day Montel. And thank you at home for tuning in and being a part yourself. Thanks for joining me on Free Thinking with Montel. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback, so please send us your comments.